Chapter Eighteen of Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant. Translator unknown. Chapter Eighteen, Attainment. It was dark in the apartments in the Rue de Constantinople when Georges du Roy and Clotilde de Marelle, having met at the door, entered them. Without giving him time to raise the shades, the latter said, So you are going to marry Suzanne Walter? He replied in the affirmative, adding gently, did you not know it she answered angrily so you are going to marry suzanne walter for three months you have deceived me everyone knew of it but me my husband told me since you left your wife you have been preparing for that stroke and you made use of me in the interim what a rascal you are he asked how do you make that out i had a wife who deceived me i surprised her obtained a divorce and am now going to marry another what is more simple than that she murmured what a villain he said with dignity i beg of you to be more careful as to what you say she rebelled at such words from him what would you like me to handle you with gloves you have conducted yourself like a rascal ever since i have known you and now you do not want me to speak of it you deceive every one you gather pleasure and money everywhere and you want me to treat you as an honest man he rose his lips twitched be silent or i will make you leave these rooms she cried leave here you will make me you you forget that it is i who have paid for these apartments from the very first and you threaten to put me out of them be silent good for nothing do you think i do not know how you stole a portion of vaudrec's bequest from madeleine do you think i do not know about suzanne he seized her by her shoulders and shook her do not speak of that i forbid you i know you have ruined her he would have taken anything else but that lie exasperated him he repeated be silent take care and he shook her as he would have shaken the bough of a tree still she continued you were her ruin i know it he rushed upon her and struck her as if she had been a man 
suddenly she ceased speaking and groaned beneath his blows finally he desisted paced the room several times in order to regain his self-possession entered the bedroom filled the basin with cold water and bathed his head then he washed his hands and returned to see what clotilde was doing she had not moved she lay upon the floor weeping softly he asked harshly will you soon have done crying she did not reply he stood in the centre of the room somewhat embarrassed somewhat ashamed as he saw the form lying before him suddenly he seized his hat good evening you can leave the key with the janitor when you are ready i will not await your pleasure he left the room closed the door sought the porter and said to him madame is resting she will go out soon you can tell the proprietor that i have given notice for the first of october his marriage was fixed for the twentieth it was to take place at the madeleine there had been a great deal of gossip about the entire affair and many different reports were circulated madame walter had aged greatly her hair was grey and she sought solace in religion in the early part of september la vie francaise announced that baron du roi de cantel had become its chief editor Monsieur walter reserving the title of manager to that announcement were subjoined the names of the staff of art and theatrical critics political reporters and so forth journalists no longer sneered in speaking of la vie francaise its success had been rapid and complete the marriage of its chief editor was what was called a Parisian event, Georges Duroy and the Walters having occasioned much comment for some time. The ceremony took place on a clear autumn day. At ten o'clock the curious began to assemble. At eleven o'clock detachments of officers came to disperse the crowd soon after the first guests arrived they were followed by others women in rich costumes men grave and dignified the church slowly began to fill norbert de varenne espied jacques rival and joined him well said he sharpers always succeed his companion who was not envious replied so much the better for him his fortune is made rival asked do you know what has become of his wife the poet smiled 
yes and no she lives a very retired life i have been told in the montmartre quarter but there is a but for some time i have read political articles in la plume which resemble those of forestier and du roi they are supposed to be written by a jean le dull a young intelligent handsome man something like our friend georges who has become acquainted with madame forestier from that i have concluded that she likes beginners and that they like her she is moreover rich vaudrec and la roche mathieu were not attentive to her for nothing rival asked tell me is it true that madame walter and duroy do not speak yes she did not wish to give him her daughter's hand but he threatened the old man with shocking revelations walter remembered la roche mathieu's fate and yielded at once but his wife obstinate like all women vowed that she would never address a word to her son-in-law it is comical to see them together she looks like the statue of vengeance and he is very uncomfortable although he tries to appear at his ease suddenly the beadle struck the floor three times with his staff all the people turned to see what was coming and the young bride appeared in the doorway leaning upon her father's arm she looked like a beautiful doll crowned with a wreath of orange blossoms she advanced with bowed head the ladies smiled and murmured as she passed them the men whispered exquisite adorable Monsieur Walter walked by her side with exaggerated dignity. Behind them came four maids of honour, dressed in pink, and forming a charming court for so dainty a queen. Madame Walter followed on the arm of Count de la Tour Evelyn's aged father. She did not walk she dragged herself along ready to faint at every step she had aged and grown thinner next came georges du roi with an old lady a stranger he held his head proudly erect and wore upon his coat like a drop of blood the red ribbon of the legion of honour he was followed by the relatives rose who had been married six weeks with a senator count de la tour ivelin with viscountess de percemure following them was a motley procession of associates and friends of duroy country cousins of madame walter's and guests invited by her husband 
the tones of the organ filled the church the large doors at the entrance were closed and georges kneeled beside his bride in the choir the new bishop of tangiers cross in hand mitre on head entered from the sacristy to unite them in the name of the almighty he asked the usual questions rings were exchanged words pronounced which bound them forever and then he delivered an address to the newly married couple the sound of stifled sobs caused several to turn their heads madame walter was weeping her face buried in her hands she had been obliged to yield but since the day on which she had told duroy you are the vilest man i know never speak to me again for i will not answer you she had suffered intolerable anguish she hated suzanne bitterly her hatred was caused by unnatural jealousy the bishop was marrying a daughter to her mother's lover before her and two thousand persons and she could say nothing she could not stop him she could not cry he is mine that man is my lover that union you are blessing is infamous several ladies touched by her apparent grief murmured how affected that poor mother is the bishop said you are among the favoured ones of the earth you sir who are raised above others by your talent you who write instruct counsel guide the people have a grand mission to fulfil a fine example to set duroy listened to him proudly a prelate of the roman church spoke thus to him a number of illustrious people had come thither on his account it seemed to him that an invisible power was impelling him on he would become one of the masters of the country he the son of the poor peasants of canteleu he had given his parents five thousand francs of count de vaudrec's fortune and he intended sending them fifty thousand more then they could buy a small estate and live happily the bishop had finished his harangue a priest ascended the altar and the organ pealed forth suddenly the vibrating tones melted into delicate melodious ones like the songs of birds then again they swelled into deep full tones and human voices chanted over their bowed heads vauri and landec of the opera were singing 
Bellamy, kneeling beside Suzanne, bowed his head. At that moment he felt almost pious, for he was filled with gratitude for the blessings showered upon him. Without knowing just whom he was addressing, he offered up thanks for his success. When the ceremony was over, he rose, and giving his arm to his wife, they passed into the sacristy. A stream of people entered. Georges fancied himself a king, whom the people were coming to greet. He shook hands, uttered words which signified nothing, and replied to congratulations with the words, you are very kind suddenly he saw madame de marelle and the recollection of all the kisses he had given her and which she had returned of all their caresses of the sound of her voice possessed him with the mad desire to regain her she was so pretty with her bright eyes and roguish air she advanced somewhat timidly and offered him her hand he took retained and pressed it as if to say i shall love you always i am yours their eyes met smiling bright full of love she murmured in her soft tones until we meet again sir and he gaily repeated her words others approached and she passed on finally the throng dispersed georges placed suzanne's hand upon his arm to pass through the church with her it was filled with people for all had resumed their seats in order to see them leave the sacred edifice together he walked along slowly with a firm step his head erect he saw no one he only thought of himself when they reached the threshold he saw a crowd gathered outside come to gaze at him georges du roi the people of paris envied him raising his eyes he saw beyond the place de la concorde the chamber of deputies and it seemed to him that it was only a stone's throw from the portico of the madeleine to that of the palais bourbon leisurely they descended the steps between two rows of spectators but georges did not see them his thoughts had returned to the past, and before his eyes, dazzled by the bright sunlight, floated the image of Madame de Marelle, rearranging the curly locks upon her temples before the mirror in their apartments. End of chapter 18 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey End of Bellamy, 
or the history of a scoundrel by guy de maupassant translator unknown